0: to get started here tonight, continuing some thoughts on fiery trials, and uh, just uh, by, uh, let's begin here, if we could, uh, by turning to 1 Peter chapter 4, 1 Peter chapter 4, and let's go ahead and read kind of this section of verses that we've been uh, going through on uh, fiery trials, again, as far as a uh, beginning text to this series, and also, I guess, a text that, again, the series we'll probably wrap up with, when we do wrap up. Uh, on, on this series, but uh, 1 Peter chapter 4, verse number 12, the Bible says, Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you, as though some strange thing happened unto you, but rejoice inasmuch as you are partakers of Christ's suffering, that when his glory shall be revealed, you may be glad also with exceeding joy. And if you be reproached for the name of Christ, happy are ye, for the spirit of glory and of God resteth upon you. On their part, he is evil spoken of, but on your part, he is glorified. But let none of you suffer as a murderer, or as a thief, or as an evildoer, or as a busybody in other man's matters. But if any man suffer as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in this behalf. For the time has come when judgment must begin at the house of God. And if it first begun at us... What shall be the end of them that obey not the gospel of God? And if the righteous scarcely be saved, where shall the ungodly and the sinner appear? Wherefore, let them that suffer according to the will of God commit the, uh, of the, will of God commit the keeping of their souls to him in well-doing as unto a faithful creator. Tonight, I'd like to look at some thoughts on fiery trials as we consider here tonight this thought on fiery trials wi fi trials to prove whether we be true men or not, whether we be true men or not. I'd like you to take your Bibles and let's go ahead and turn to James chapter uh, sorry, Genesis chapter 42 Genesis chapter 42. We looked at last week the trials that Joseph went through, and uh, certainly he went through a very difficult, diverse, and dangerous experience, thrown in a pit. Uh, landed in a place, a strange land, landed in jail, was forgotten by a butler, became a a prominent figure in Egypt, finally came to a place where he could help his brothers and his fathers in the country. And uh, the reason I believe he went through all these trials is that he could be a a savior type, a deliverer type, and be help to people in a time of need. And so he went through all those things, again, to be Uh, Again, all he could be for God. And so let's begin here tonight. And we're going to consider the trial of faith that these 10 brothers went through and uh, also some other trials of faith that others went through. But we'll start here in Genesis chapter 42. We'll start out by considering here the trial of faith that I believe, again, 10 of Joseph's brothers went through. Genesis chapter 42, uh, verse number 1, the Bible says, now when Jacob saw that there was corn in Egypt, Jacob said unto his sons, Why do you look one upon another? And he said, Behold, I have heard that there is corn in Egypt. Get thee down thither and buy for us from thence, that we may live and not die. And Joseph's ten brethren went down to buy corn in Egypt. But Benjamin, Joseph's brother, Jacob, sent not with his brethren. For he said, Last perventure mischief befall him. And the sons of Israel came to buy corn among those that came, for the famine was over the land of Canaan. And Joseph was the governor over the land, and he was, uh, and he it was that sold to all the people of the land. And Joseph's brethren came and bowed down themselves before him with their faces to the earth. And Joseph saw his brethren, and he knew them, but he made himself strange unto them and spake roughly unto them. And he said unto them, Whence come ye? And they said... From the land of Canaan to buy food. And Joseph knew his brethren, but they knew him not. And uh, Joseph remembered the dreams which he dreamed of them, and he said unto them, Ye are spies. Ye see the nakedness of the land. uh, Are ye come? And they said unto him, Nay, my lord, but to buy food are the servants come. And we are one man's sons, we are true men. Thy servants are no spies. And he said unto them, Nay, but to see the nakedness of the land are you come, And they say, thy servants are 12 brethren, the sons of one man in Canaan, and behold, the youngest is this day with her father, and one is not. But Joseph said unto them, that, Is it that I spake unto you, saying, Ye are spies? Hereby ye shall be proved. By the life of Pharaoh ye shall not go forth hence Except your youngest brother come hither, send one of you and let him fit your brother and ye shall be kept in prison uh, that your words may be proved whether you be any truth in you or else by the life of Pharaoh surely ye ye are spies. And he put them all together in the ward three days and Joseph said unto them the third day, This do and live for I fear God. As ye, if you be true men, let one of your brethren be bound in the house of your prison. Go ye, carry corn for the famine to your house, but bring your youngest brother unto me. So shall your words be fair, verified, and ye shall not die. And they did so. I'm going to just stop there here tonight as we consider this thought on, uh, again, the why, reason why we have fiery trials is to prove whether are true men or not. Let's pray as we consider this thought. Father, thank you again for the word of God here tonight. I ask that you would help us again maybe to see uh, into the lives of these ten men and uh, see how God was proving who they were and what was in their heart and uh, if they could be trusted, if they could be true and and not lie, if they could be uh, people that would deal rightly with their brother, their other brother, Benjamin, for they had not dealt rightly with Joseph, but again, as we consider this passage here tonight, help us again to see that sometimes, I believe, trials come to our life uh, to seek uh, and show us whether we are true men and whether others are true men. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now this is thought of true men, and, uh, again, this thought is in several places in this particular passage. is brought up there in verse number 11 where the uh, ten men said, we are true men. And it's interesting, they say they are true men, and Joseph says, no, you're not true men, you're spies. You're not true men, you're a bunch of spies, and you come to spy out the land and and see the famine and see what's going on in our country. And uh, it says there in verse number 15, it says, hereby you shall be proved. And so they were going to be proved, they were going to be tested by Joseph, and they were going to go through a trial of testing as they were told, again, to do certain things. And we'll see, again, the different kinds of tests they were, went through. But I want you to see, first of all, here tonight, that they were tested by Joseph, their brother, whether they be true men. Now, I just want to say this. I wonder why they were tested by their brother, whether they be true men. Is because they proved themselves earlier not to be the best kind of men or true men. And I will see that here in just a moment we will also see as we consider again, not this chapter, but in the chapter following, we'll see again, they'll be tested by their father also, whether they be true men, or may I say this, maybe changed men, or different men, or men that can be trusted. In verse 16 it says, send one of you and let him fetch your brother, and uh, ye shall be kept in prison, that your words be proved whether there be any truth in you or else, by the life of Pharaoh, surely you are spies. And again, they go into a test situation. They're going to be sent back to their father and they will be sent back to their father to do some things. Let's read on there in verse number 21. It says, and they said one to another, we are very guilty concerning our brother in that we saw the anguish of his soul when he besought us and we would not hear, therefore, is this distress come upon us and so they were thinking again all this is happening because we did something bad to our brother and you know I'm, I'm certain in God's providence there was reasons for this but it may well not be just because of this and uh, verse number 22 it says and Reuben answered them saying spake I not against you saying do not sin against the child and you will not hear therefore behold also his blood is required and they knew not that Joseph understood them for he spake unto them by an interpreter. And he turned himself about from them and wept and returned to them again and communed with them and took from them Simeon and bound him before their eyes. This is such an interesting account. Again, I wish I could spend more time, but I want to move through this account pretty quickly here tonight as we see, first of all, these 10 men tested, tested where they are true men. Here we find Simeon is going to be left behind And they're going to travel back to get Benjamin. Verse number 25, it says, Then Joseph commanded uh, to fill their sacks with corn and to restore every man's money to his sack and to give them provision for the way. And thus did he unto them, and they laded their asses with corn, and they departed from thence. And as soon as they opened their sack to give their asses provender, and in the end they espied his money, for behold, it was in his sack's mouth. And uh, said unto his brethren, My money is restored, and lo, It is even in my sack, and their heart failed in them, and they were afraid, saying one to another, what is it that God had done to us? These guys weren't necessarily the best of guys, but they certainly, again, had some thoughts about God, and God's judgment, and why things pertain and happen in their life, and that sort of thing. Uh, But we find here they had some money in their sack, and they're wondering, "Why, why is this happening to us, why... There's money in our sack. We gave this money and now there's money in our sack. It doesn't make any sense. Anyways, they're being proved, they're being tried. And they came to Jacob, their father, verse 29, unto the land of Canaan, told him all that had befell them. And the man who is the Lord of all the land spake roughly to us and, and took us for spies of the country. And he said unto him, we are true men and we are no spies. We are 12 brethren, sons of one father. One is, is not the youngest is his day is with our father, in the land of Canaan, the man, the Lord of the country, said unto us, "Hereby shall I know that you are true men. Leave one of your brethren with me, and take food for the famine to your households, and be gone. And bring to your your youngest brother unto me. Then shall I know that you are no spies, but you are true men. So will I deliver you, your brother, and you shall uh, have uh, shall traffic in the land." And it came to pass as they. Uh, emptied their sacks at the behold every man's sack of, of money was in this uh, man's bundle of money was in the sack and when both of they and their father saw the bundles of money they were afraid and Jacob their father said unto him me have you bereaved of my children Joseph is not Simeon is not you will take Benjamin away from me all these things are against me and Reuben said unto his father, saying, Slay my two sons, if I bring not to thee, to deliver into my hand, and I, I will bring him, hither, uh, him to thee again. And he said, My son shall not go down to you, for his brother is dead, he is left alone. If mischief befall him on the way in which he go, then shall you bring my, down my gray hairs, with sorrow to the grave. And so we find here in the Bible the testing of these ten men. These ten men are going to be tested to see whether they're true men or not. They're going to be tested as far as, again, whether they, what they will do or what they will not do. They're tested, first of all, by their brother, again, who appears to them as a stranger, is harsh to them and, and, and really kind of mean to them and all those sorts of things. But I believe he, again, is trying to test them and to show them, some things, and also to show them uh, who they are. We see in this passage here also, verse number 37, I just want to mention here, uh, first of all, uh, second of all here, it says, Reuben spake on his father. He mentions to his father, I am a true man. And in so many words, he says, I'm a true man. And uh, I'm going to bring, you know, your brother, uh, the son back, and I'm going to do these sorts of things. And if this doesn't happen, you can go ahead and do these things unto my family. It goes on in the next chapter, 43, it says, and the family was sowing the land. So dad decided, you know, Jacob said, I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to go along with this plan, etc. But things changed here. It says, and yeah, the family was sore in the land. It came to pass when they had eaten up the corn, which they had brought down to Egypt, their father said unto him, go again, buy us a little food. And Judah spake unto him, saying, the man did solemnly protest on it, saying, you shall not see my face, except your brother be with you if thou will send our brother with us we will go down and buy food but if thou will not send him we will not go down for the man said unto us you shall uh, not see my face except your brother be with you and israel said wherefore uh, dwelt uh, ye so ill with me as to tell them that you had a brother and they said straight uh, they uh, said the man asked us straightly of our state our kindred and our father is yet alive and ye- and have you any other brother? And ye told, uh, we told him according to the tenure of the words, and could not certainly know whether he would say, "Bring your brother down." And Judah said unto Israel, his father, "Send the lad with me, and we will rise and go, and we, that we may live and not die, both we and thou, and also our little ones. And it shall surely, I shall be a surety for him. Of uh, my hand shalt thou require of him, if I bring him not." unto thee and set thee before thee and let him bear the blame forever for except we had lingered surely now we had returned a second time and their father israel said if it must be so now do this take the best fruits of the land and your vessels carry them down a little balm a little honey spices myrrh nut almonds take double in money in your hand the money that thou hast brought again in the mouth of your sass carried again in your hand Perhaps it was an oversight. Take also your brother, rise, again. go again unto the land. The God Almighty give you mercy before the man, and he may send you away, your uh, brother and Benjamin. If I be, re- be redeemed to my children, I am bereaved. And uh, the men took the money, etc. So they, they're going to go down, they're going to leave, they're going to go back, they're going to face again Joseph, their brother, they don't know it's Joseph, their brothers. Um, let's skip down to verse number 18. It says that men were afraid because they brought into Joseph's house and they said because the money that was returned to our sacks at the first uh, we brought in and he may seek occasion against us and befall us and take us as bondmen and harass us and they came near to the steward of Joseph's house and they communed with him at the door of the house and he said, oh sir, we came indeed now to buy food the uh, down the first time to buy food, and it came to pass when we came in the inn, we opened our sacks, and behold, every man's money was in the money of the mouth of the sack, and our money is full weight, and we have brought it again onto our land. And the other money have we uh, brought down into your hands to buy food, and we cannot tell who put the money in our sacks. And he said, Peace be unto you, fear not. Your God and the God of your Father have given you treasures in your sacks, I had your money. And he brought Simeon out onto them. And so they were scared. They come back and things go well as they come back and they allow to come back. They'll stand in the presence of Joseph there and Joseph will inquire about some things and they'll find out some things. Let's pick up at verse number 41, uh, 44 chapter uh, 44 verse 1. It says, and he commanded the steward of the house saying, fill the Men sack with food as much as they can carry and put every man's money in, the, in his uh, sack of the mouth and, and put my cup, the silver cup, in the sack's mouth of the youngest and his corn money. And he did according to the word that Joseph had spoken. As soon as the morning was light, the men sent away and they and their asses. And when they had gone out of the city and not far yet, Joseph said unto the steward, Up, follow the men. And when you have overtaken them, say unto them, Wherefore? Have ye rewarded evil for good? It's not this, it, that is my uh, Lord drinketh, and whereby indeed he divineth, ye have done evil in so doing. And he overtook them, and he spake unto them uh, the same words, and they said, Wherefore saith the Lord uh, these words, God forbid that the servants did according to this thing. Behold, the money which we found in our sacks mouths, we brought it again to thee out of the land of Canaan. How how, did they, how then should we steal out of the Lord's house silver or gold? With whithersoever of the servants is found, both let him die, and we also will be my Lord's bondmen. And so they think together nobody's done this. And they're saying whoever is found with, they should die. And uh, anyways, this is going to be another task that takes place there. And you, you read on there in verse number 10, it says, "And he said, on, he said, "Now also let it be according to your words. He with thee, it is found shall be my servant, and ye shall be blameless. Whoever it is, it's going to be a servant. The rest of you guys are innocent, you're blameless, you're a true men, whatever you want to say. Then they speedily took, out, took down every man his sack uh, to the ground and opened every man his mouth and he searched and began with the eldest left to the youngest and the cup was found in Benjamin's sack. Then they rent their clothes and laid every man on his ass and returned to the city. And Judah and his brethren came to Joseph's house for he was yet there and, and they fell before him to the ground. And Joseph said unto them, What deed is this that ye have done? What ye not such a man, uh, that as I certainly divine. And Judah said, What shall we say unto you, my Lord? What shall we speak? And how shall we clear ourselves? God hath found out the iniquity of thy servants. Behold, we are my Lord's servants, both we and he also, the, the cup is found. He said, God forbid that I should do so, but the man that, who the hand is found, he shall be my servant. Anyways, they want, again, them all to be servants, not just this one left behind to be a servant. Anyways, Judah speaks out and basically says, and we're, we're not going to read through this, but uh, Joseph, I mean, sorry, Judah speaks out and says, you know, I'll be your servant. Verse number thirty-eight. It says, now therefore I pray thee, let the servant abide instead of the lad, a bondman to my lord, and let the lad go up with his brethren. And how shall I go up without my father? And the land be uh, be not with me. Thus, preventure I see evil and thou shalt come up to my father. And so, a test, a trying of faith. You find here in the Bible, again, uh, Joseph does some trying when it comes to his brethren, whether they are true men or not. Judah, and I believe also here you see in the Bible, uh, not only Judah, but Reuben uh, stand out to some degree as being true men. Judah's willing to stay behind to be a servant there and uh, allow for... Benjamin to return, and the other brothers to return, etc. And so uh, chapter 45 opens up here and says, Then Joseph could not refrain himself from all them that stood by him, and he cried and caused every man to go out from me. And there stood no man with him, while Joseph made himself known unto his brethren. And he wept aloud, and the Egyptians and the house of Pharaoh heard, and Joseph said unto his brethren, I am Joseph." Let my father yet live. And his brothers could not answer, for they were troubled at his presence. And Joseph said unto his brethren, Come near unto me, and I'll pray, I pray you. And they came near, and he said, I am Joseph, your brother, whom you sold into Egypt. Now therefore be not grieved nor angry for yourselves that you sold me hither, for God did send me before you to preserve life. For these two years hath the famine been in the land, and yet there are five years. And uh, verse 7, it says that God sent me before to preserve your posterity and to save your lives with a great deliverance. And uh, what do we see here in the Bible is a trial face a test of these brothers. It led to reconciliation with their brothers, their brother Joseph. And Joseph there, again, ends up back with his family and all those sorts of things. But let's turn to Genesis chapter 42. I want to just back up here a little bit before we look at another case where some was proved to see whether they're true men or not, these 10 were tested to see whether they were true men or not. Uh, Genesis chapter 42, uh, verse number 19, it says, it says, if you be true men, let one of your brethren be bound in the house of your prison. Go ye, carry corn and famine uh, to your houses. And so they were tested when it comes to this this situation and they were tested when it comes to their lives and they had before and again sold their their brother into slavery and they were tested as a result of this. Sometimes in life we'll be tested. We're tested as far as our words, our ways, our actions, our choices, whether we pick the truth or we'll not pick the truth, whether we do right or not do right. These men were tested by both their father and their brother whether they would keep their word and do that which is good and right. And they ended up doing, at least in this situation, that which is good and right. Let's turn to Daniel chapter 6. I don't believe these are the only people throughout history and these are the only people that will be tested when it comes to uh, whether you'll do right when it's that time that we're called maybe in life to do right when it's maybe hard to do right or it's difficult to do right or someone talks to us roughly and tells us to do something, or someone again, commands us to do or demands on us to do something that's difficult to do. In uh, Daniel chapter 6, we find, again, somebody else tested in uh, doing that which is right. This guy you're familiar with, and we'll just look a little bit at this here tonight, in Daniel chapter 6, verse number 1 through verse number 4 to begin with. Daniel was, I believe, a true man before he went through a trying of faith. But the trying of faith proved that he was a true man, just like it proved that those 10 brothers were now better men than they were before, and they were not spies. Daniel chapter 6, verse 1, it says, "...and it pleased Darius to set over the kingdom and 120 princes, which should be over the whole kingdom, and over these three presidents, of whom Daniel was first, that the princes should give account unto them, and the king should have no damage." Then this Daniel was preferred above the presidents and princes because he was an excellent spirit was in him. And the king thought to set him over the whole realm when the presidents and princes sought to find occasion in Daniel concerning the kingdom. They could find no occasion nor fault for he was faithful. Neither was there any error fault found in him. So we find the Bible, and you're familiar with Daniel, but we just want to look at this a little bit here tonight. Daniel was a faithful man, but yet he was tried concerning his faith. We know this trying of faith took place here. Again, when we see in verse number 5 and following, they make a decree, a government decree, that nobody should pray to anybody but the king. Verse 5, let's pick up there. Then said these men, we shall not find any occasion against Daniel, except we find it. Against him concerning the law of his God, then these presidents and princes assembled together the, the king and said unto these, uh, uh, unto him, King Darius, live forever! All the presidents and king of the kingdom and governors and princes and consuls and captains have consulted together to establish a royal uh, statue and to make a firm decree that whatsoever shall ask a petition of any god or man for thirty days save the king. O king, he shall be cast in the dead of lions. Now king established the decree and signed the writing that it be not changed according to the laws of the Medes and Persians, which alters not. Wherefore king Darius signed the writing and the decree. Now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went to the house and his windows being opened in the chamber towards Jerusalem, he kneeled upon his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before God, as he did aforetime. Here we see again a second person, or the others were a group of persons, but again, here we see a second uh, person here tried concerning uh, whether they be a true man or not. We see here before, again, the Bible makes it quite clear that he was a faithful man before this trying. This trying now is uh, whether he will pray, uh, again, to the king only or pray to God. And so he's tested Uh, somewhat I would say in in an area of worship for sure and also allegiance and loyalty to God and so Daniel's tested uh, by the government and uh, certainly we've had some tests by the government certainly people around the world have been tested by governments and uh, decrees have been made and sometimes again suggestions are made, whatever it might be but uh, we find here in the Bible that Daniel knew that the writing was signed and he went down to his house and uh, the Bible says he, he kneeled upon his knees three times a day and, and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he did before God. Was Daniel now a bad man? I'm just asking you the question, was he now a bad man because now he had defied the government mandate? We say no because the Bible says no, right? I, I, I mean, I can go through this and we can walk you through this, but uh, Daniel was committed to God. He wasn't going to petition or pray to the king. He was going to pray to his God. And even though the government said, you cannot pray to your God, did Daniel say, well, I guess I'm just going to not pray to God. I'm not going to pray to the king. I'm just not, not going to pray to God either. No, Daniel did what he was doing before. Daniel did not change what he was doing. He was tested, I believe, in a trial of loyalty to God, not to pray or to pray or to pray to the king what should he do? What did he do? Well, you see what he did. In verse 10, he prayed, and in verse number 11, he, and, and 12, he got caught doing what he was supposed to do. I believe according to the word of God and the will of God that we be dependent on God. We pray to God. We ask petitions of God. We thank God. These are all things that Christians should do and God's people should do. Verse number 12, it says then, then they came near and spake on the king concerning the king's decree. Hast thou not signed the decree that every man that asks a petition of any god or man within 30 days say the king shall be cast into the dead of the lions? And the king answered and said, the thing is true according to laws of the Medes and Persians. It cannot be altered. Uh, Then answered they and said to the king that Daniel, which is of the children of the captivity of Judah, regarded not. The O King, nor the decree which thou assign, but maketh his petition three times a day. So not only is he doing it, but he's doing it multiple times, and he's doing it multiple times a day, and he's doing contrary again to the, the king's order there. And uh, you'll find out, and you know that he ended up in the, the lion's den, uh, and and uh, you find in verse number twenty. I just want to just kind of just look at a little bit of this. It says, And when he had came to the den, he cried with a lamentable voice to Daniel. And the king spake and said to Daniel, O Daniel, servant of the living God, is thy God, whom thou servest continually, able to deliver thee from the lions? Then said Daniel unto the king, O king, live forever. My God has sent his angel, and has shut up the lion's mouth, that they have not hurt me. For as much as before him, innocency was found in me. And also before thee, O king, uh, have I done no hurt. Then was the king exceeding glad for him and commanded that they should take Daniel out of the the den so that Daniel was taken out of the den. And no matter of hurt was found upon him because he believed in his God. I see Daniel as a true man. He resisted what others had decreed to be right as far as government orders are concerned. And I just want to get into something a little bit here tonight. And again, I do this as kind of a Bible study here tonight. I want want to look at this thought here tonight. Is there a case for resisting government authority? Is there a case for resisting government authority Let me say, first of all, and again, a lot of people understand this, and I've taught on this, Romans chapter 13 and 1 Peter teach us to submit to government authority, okay? I don't have to go through that. If you go through that, you'll see, again, I believe you'll see, especially in Romans 13, 1 Peter, that we are to submit to the government for good, we're to submit to government authority we're submitted to authority in general that is the general rule that's what we should normally do that's again what we always should do in general that's again what christians should do but i want to show you here tonight that you'll see in the bible that true men and true women at times throughout history in the bible defied government authority now someone don't get scared okay i'm just going to show you some examples of this there's actually quite a few of them in the Bible. Let's turn back to Exodus chapter 1. Exodus chapter 1. And as soon as I turn to Exodus chapter 1, there might be some Christians here tonight that know what I'm going to talk about in Exodus chapter 1. This is where some godly, widow, I mean, godly midwives defied government authority. Uh, Exodus chapter 1, verse 15. It says, the king of Egypt spake to the Hebrew midwives, of which the name of one was Shur." Oh boy, Shippara. And the other name was Puah. Quite the names. I haven't heard anybody name their kids that yet. Maybe you know someone by those names. But anyways, these are the Hebrew midwives. And he said, when you do the office of the midwife to the Hebrew women and you see them upon the stools, if it be a son, then thou shalt kill him. But if it be a daughter, then ye shall, then she shall live. And the midwives feared God and did not, as the king of Egypt commanded, but saved the men children alive. So we see in the Bible someone saved the, the, the children alive, men children alive. Now this was against the king's orders. I mean, you can see how specific it is, right? I can see how specific it is. Everybody can see how specific it is. Uh, kill these children. Anyways, you see him save them alive. Who came from that? Of course you know who came from that. Most people wouldn't know that. Maybe you don't know for sure. Moses. Moses lived, I believe, in part because of this. Uh, again, I just see in the Bible, again, these midwives. And why are they doing that? Because God is always for life. You know, what if someone decreed in our country, in America... That if you, and this happens in some countries, it happens in different ways and happened in different ways throughout history. But what if people decreed in your country you could have one child and then every other child should be aborted? Well, I tell you, you know, China has regulations or had regulations along that lines, especially if it's a man child or a woman child, and they had differences on what. It, If a mandate came along that said you can have certain children or one child or two children or only men child or a women child and if you were a midwife, you're supposed to do this or that, what should you do? Well, I think you see here in the Bible, you see what you should do. It clearly says what, it says the midwives feared God. It did not as the king of Egypt commanded. Now someone might say at first, well, that's terrible. That's terrible. The king commanded, they didn't do it. They shouldn't do it. Just like we shouldn't, you know, a government shouldn't be supportive of abortion, and and, and certainly Christians shouldn't be supportive of abortion. And I go into that here tonight, but I'm not going to go into that. But there are cases in the Bible of government resistance. I want to show you those here tonight. Now, that's not to make it so that you say, well, we should be government resistors. But it's just to show you that there are times where we should resist what the government says if it is contrary to the will of God. Ask yourself in a situation, is it contrary to the will of God? We know especially preaching and praying are two things that we find in the Bible that people did because that's the right thing to do. Praying, we just looked at that. Daniel, he continued to pray. Government said, don't pray. He did pray. Preaching, you see in the book of Acts, you see people preaching and uh, again, the, the government or religious rulers might say, no more preaching. It doesn't matter if they say not to preach. We've got a command. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Preaching needs to continue. Evangelism needs to continue. Let's turn to Exodus chapter 2, verse number 11. In Exodus chapter 2, verse number 11, there's an interesting case here in the Bible where Moses killed a taskmaster. At least that's how I see it. And again, we'll see again in Acts chapter 2, another reference to this. Exodus chapter 2, verse number 11, verse number 12. Most people say loudly, clearly, Moses was a murderer. You hear that a lot. And yes and no, I say that. Let's look at this. Exodus chapter 2, verse 11. It came to pass in those days when Moses was grown, he went out unto his brethren. He looked on their burdens, and he spied an Egyptian smiting a Hebrew, one of his brethren. He looked this way and that way, and when he saw there was no man, he slew the Egyptian and hid him in this land. So, yeah, Moses killed an Egyptian. But well, let's turn to Acts chapter 2, uh, sorry, Acts chapter 7, the New Testament. It's interesting, I believe, how Acts chapter 7 somewhat records this inter- incident. It appears to me as I look at it that it was at least, it certainly appears to me that it was justifiable to some degree for Moses to kill this Egyptian. And you say, why? Well, let's look at this. Acts chapter 7, verse number 24 and verse number 25. The Bible says, And seeing one of them suffer wrong, he defended him and avenged him that was Oppressed and smote the Egyptian. For he supposed his brethren would have understood how that God by his hand would deliver them, but they understood not. He defended them. Moses certainly was in a position where he defended, the Bible says, and avenged someone who was suffering wrong at the hands of government. Again, I think about the, the reason for the Revolutionary War. There are a lot of reasons that went into it, but it was years of oppression, re- years of, uh, of trouble and struggles against, a, again, a government that led to our independence as a, as a Christian nation and as a nation. And so sometimes I believe in cases of oppression. Moses, seeing someone oppressed, defended them. And someone says, why did he defend him? Because if you go back to that account, the, the guy was smiting him. He was smiting him, and when you're smiting someone, you're looking to kill them. You know, when Saul, again, was trying to kill David, he looked to smite him to the wall. He was looking to kill him. And so, in the case of Moses here, he was defending someone, again, who was in, certainly in trouble and certainly probably didn't deserve what was happening to him. Anyways, let's turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 11, 2 Corinthians chapter 11. I'm I'm saying you don't always submit to authority. Did Jesus, when the rulers wanted to kill him and when people tried to destroy him, did he just let himself be destroyed or did he walk out in the midst of them and walk away from this situation? He did. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse number 32 and verse number 33, it says, and in Damascus, the governor... Under Erastus, the king kept the city of the uh, Demacians with a garrison, desirous to apprehend me. And so there's a king, desirous to apprehend Paul, who was a Jew, and it says, and through a window in a basket, I was let down by the hands of the wall and escaped his hands. So Paul escaped. I mean, a ruler and someone who was in government had a desire to apprehend him. And for what did he want to do with Paul? Let's turn back to Acts chapter 9. What did he want to do with Paul? He wanted to kill him. We see this here in Acts chapter 9, here, verse number 25. Let's start in verse 23. It says, And after many days were fulfilled, the Jews took counsel to kill him, and by their hands, by their laying away, uh, was known to Saul, and they watched by the gates and at night to kill him. Then the disciples took him away by night and led him down to the wall by a basket. Now let me ask you this. Those guys that helped him get away in a basket, were they true men or were they bad men? Well, they defied the government. Someone says, well, the government and this ruler in particular mentions, in Damascus, the governor of under Arasis, king kept the city in the garrison, desires to apprehend me, and through a window in a basket, I was let down by the wall and escaped to his hands. You know, sometimes, again, it's right for us to resist the government, certainly, again, when they're trying to put innocence to death or getting us to do wrong, according to or, or right or someone, again, is in a position where maybe we need to defend them. You know, we talk about defense sometimes where someone, again, might kill someone publicly. I'm I'm honest, I mean, someone might kill someone publicly because they're killing other people publicly. We've seen that not too long ago. That took place in our country. In that case, that person's being the good guy, not the bad guy. We can go on with Paul. In his imprisonment in Philippi, he declared he was a Roman citizen to escape time in prison, Acts chapter 17. Paul escaped time in Philippi by declaring, hey, I'm a Roman citizen, and they allowed him and Barnabas or Silas, I can't remember who it was, uh, to get out. Let's turn to Matthew chapter 2. There's actually quite a few cases where someone did this, and, and I'm just making a point here tonight. If, if the government wants to do contrary to the precepts, principles, and will of God, I believe we consciously have the right to do right whatever right is at the time they can say this is right they can say this is wrong and if something is right by God I think we need to do what's right whatever that might be Matthew chapter 2 and I'm not going to read through all this again I don't know exactly how long this message is going anyways Matthew chapter 2 let's pick up in verse number 7 it says "Uh, then Herod when he had privily called the wise men inquired of them diligently what time the star appeared and he sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and search diligently for the young child. When you have found him, bring word to me again that I might come and worship him. Did they ever do that? Nope. When you find him, tell me where he is and then I'll come and worship him. Nope, they didn't do that. The wise men resisted helping Herod when he told them, hey, I want you to do this, do it. This was a mandate. This was certainly, again, something they wanted to see done, but they didn't do it. Again, when it comes to, again, doing right, there's sometimes we need to even speak out when it comes to what's right and wrong. I'm not going to look at this here tonight, but John the Baptist spoke against the morality of the king in Matthew chapter 14. It didn't turn out well for him, but he spoke out. The apostles were arrested in prison for preaching publicly when the government and religious leaders opposed them in Acts chapter 5. And I'm sure you're familiar with that passage where it says in Acts 5 verse 29, it says we ought to be God rather than men when it comes to preaching. David resisted a death sentence against himself in 1 Samuel chapter 19 and fled from Saul. I'm certain there are other cases in the Bible where people resisted the government at times, and certainly we can look at those. But let's turn to Romans chapter 13. I do want to look at this because I want you to understand that in general, we are to be law-abiding citizens. We are to be people that follow the law. We are not to be rebels. We are not to be religious zealots that oppose the government and fight with the government and resist the government, and all those sorts of things. Uh, Let's look at this, Romans chapter 13. We're going to close uh, looking at this, and then we'll go back to our text there quickly here, and we'll close here tonight. But Romans chapter 13, verse number 1, the Bible says, Let every soul be subject to the higher powers, for there is no power but of God. The powers that be are ordained of God. And so, really, where does power come from? It comes from God. And so, God, who's at the top of the power structure? Everybody should know this. God is at the top. There, it says, "Wherefore, uh, well, whosoever therefore resists the power resistes the ordinance of God. They that resist shall receive to themselves the damnation. For rulers are not a terror to good works, but to the evil. It just." I have these words circled in the Bible here several times this passage. The word "good," because I think it's important that we pick up on that. The rulers are not a pair to good works, but to the evil. Wilt thou not be afraid of the power? Do that which is good, and thou shalt receive praise of the same, for he is a minister of God to thee for good. But if thou wilt do that which is evil, be afraid. He beareth not the sword in vain, for he is a minister of God, a revenger to execute wrath upon him that doeth evil. Therefore, ye must needs be subject, not, to wrath, not for wrath's sake, but for conscience' sake. For this cause pay ye tribute also, for they are God's ministers, attending Continue to this very thing. Render, therefore, to all their dues, tribute to whom tribute is due, custom to custom is due, fear to whom fear is due, honor to whom honor is due. And so, we as citizens, the Bible says, should be subject to the powers. As these powers are given to do what? Well, look at verse number 3, to praise those that are good and to punish, verse number 4, those that do evil. And so that's what government's supposed to be doing. And that's what they should be centered on doing. And as they do those things, we need to pay tribute to help them to be able to do that. Verse number 7, it says, tribute to true tribute, custom custom, fear to f- fear. So we need armies, we need policemen, we need different things as far as military personnel, etc., and how do we provide for them? How do we provide for judges and juries and all those kind of things? We pay tribute and taxes and that sort of thing. And uh, we see in the Bible that Christians should submit to those powers. But look at verse number three, two. I just want to mention, whoso therefore resists the power, resists the ordinance of God, they that resist shall receive damnation. Now, I just want to say, did, do we think Moses, his midwife, Paul, the wise men, John the Baptist, the apostles, David, whoever we might talk about. are they? Is this what it's really talking about? I don't think it's talking about that. Uh, the power structure starts with God. It always starts with God. God's at the top. What God says to do, that's what we should do. Doesn't matter what the government might dictate for us to do. If it's evil, if it's wrong, if it's contrary to the world, God, we are not to do it. To kill those innocent boys was... Terribly wrong for the king to order those midwives to do. Let's turn back to Genesis chapter 42. Genesis chapter 42. God will test us to see if we're true men or not, true ladies or not. He'll give us opportunities to do right, to do after the truths of God, to do after the commandments of God, to do after the will of God. What will we do? Let's end with this verse here tonight. Genesis 42, verse number 19. If you be true men... Let one of your brethren be bound in the house of your prison. Go ye, carry the corn for the famine of your houses. We see ten brothers show themselves to be true men. Daniel showed himself to be a true man. And we can be true men if we follow the world and ways of God. Let's close as we consider the word of God here tonight.